Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show with today's guest, Andy Colometta, President of Sterling Construction. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In this episode, we put Andy on the hot seat when I take the questions and answers from three years ago and see if Sterling has made good on their goals and plans. Then we move on to what Sterling has planned next and what Andy does personally to manage the stress that comes with being a business owner. Andy lived up to my expectations and I'm sure will continue to be a fan favorite. Today's show is brought to you by Central, commercial governors and supporters of our conversation. Enjoy the show. Hey Andy, welcome to Mass Construction Show. Joe, glad to be here again. Thank you yes, for having me. Great. Uh, third time, right? Third, I, maybe third or fourth, one of the two. Third, yeah. third. I, t- I took a look. All right, um, you know better than me. Yep. Now, uh, this is atypical. What I did was I went back and listened to your first episode. And I wrote down some things of note that I kind of thought were interesting, and I want to talk to you about them. So it's a bit of a uh, gotcha, but not with a ill intent here, but kind of, hey, this is what you said. 2019, you were almost three years in business, just shy of three years in business. And at that point, you had what you said was four core, core clients, 25 million in volume, and 12 people. Wow. This this is not a gotcha, but where are you now? As of fiscal last year end, we finished at sixty two. Well, sixty one million seven hundred thousand, or something like that. Sixty one yep. sixty one million and change. We I say sixty two to make it easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have twenty people. Wow. And yep. you are six years. Six years as of April twenty second or twenty fifth. And how many would you say would be your core clients? I would say the same four, definitely, four, and right? maybe one additional more. Okay. Yeah. So you maybe grew that. But in reality, if it's anything like how I think about it, if those are your core clients, they're giving you the vast majority of your work. And if you gain one core client and you had four, that's a 25% increase in your core clients. So it doesn't sound like that, but t- to me, like adding a core client is 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 huge. It's like a, a major thing. I almost don't take it lightly. Hmm. I don't want to like put somebody into my core client until I've had a long relationship and have a good feel with them. But once they're in there, then okay, these are the people that are really going to service and take care of. Um, so I, I think adding even one core client is 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 a huge from my perspective is a huge improvement yeah we business we didn't look i didn't look at it like that or we didn't look like it look at it look at it like that we looked at it as can we have the capacity to service one more client the same way we service our other clients mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean all five are are hitting at the same time but we have now five different clients that are continually using sterling negotiated work and that's how I look at it. Yeah, kind of as like their preferred. Preferred go-to, get us out of jail f- client. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And is that uh, a mix of negotiated and bid work or is it? Like I know my core clients, it's it's uh, the dollar values aren't where you are at. So it's, it's almost like uh, I, I don't price stuff. It's just right. like, hey, I need this. They know that I'm going to be fair and it's a quick, they want a quick turnaround and they want it done right. So we just have a good relationship like that. But. Um, are you doing a mix of negotiated and 
and bid with the core clients or is it more negotiated? It's 99% negotiated. There may be one or two times where a project has to get bid out to appease a certain deal or a lease. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's negotiated work with those people. Yeah, it's, 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 a, good, it's a good relationship on both sides. And it's mostly the same design teams as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it's like everyone's so used to working with each other now, and it's just a well-oiled machine. Mm. That's, how, that's how we can handle that kind of volume with 20 people. Twenty people, including me, and two accounting people. So, so seventeen 24. in the field, legit. Okay, right? Yeah, that's that makes sense. Got it. So you also mentioned you you the way we were talking, kind of. About I don't like this. Just to yeah, because you know, yeah, yeah. I did not listen to the other <laughs> podcast, and I don't know if I don't want to say something and contradict myself because this is just like it definitely put me on the spot here. I thought you'd be like, "Hey, Andy, how's it going? What's new?" And now we're going back four years. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, this I, isn't right, man. This I, is not good. I'm aware. I, I apologize, right. but that's. Uh, I think this is um, will be the most valuable to the people that listen, and that's what I think this is about. Understood. I just right? telling you, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, it. I'm squeezing my hands because I'm just like, what is he going to ask me to ask? And I'm like, did I say that? Did I not say that? Yeah. All right, just go for it. Yep. Yeah. No. No. None of this is terror. None of this is bad. So, um, we were talking about culture. And you said when you'd started out and when you were starting out, we didn't know, because I said, you know, who did you want to be? And you said, we didn't know who we wanted to be, but we knew what we had. It's like you knew you had something, but you didn't have some grand vision about, you know, what the culture was going to be like there. Um, And you also said that at various times, you said that Sterling had a very entrepreneurial feel to it at that time as well. Who are you now, or what is the feel or the culture at Sterling six years later from from where it started? That's a good one, and it could it can be yeah. that it was still the same. Like, hey, we're yeah. entrepreneurial, but we're bumping up against as we grow. How do we maintain that? What, what's your what's your thought process there? Well, the other day. Celebrating our six years, we rented out uh, Supercharge and Rentham. We got the whole company out there, and we did go-karts, electric go-karts. I don't know if mm-hmm. anyone's done this, but it's it's pretty intense. Uh, I We rented the track for three laps each. You all got out there at once. We had the whole place for ourselves, and then you had food and drinks afterwards. Mm-hmm. The, you actually can't drink before the race because understandable. Yep. you're driving cars that go pretty fast. So I ended up, uh, out of the three races, I could only do the first two because I got, started giving myself motion sickness. That's how fast these things were going. So next time, wow. if I do this, I'm taking some kind of motion sickness medicine. But I gave myself motion sickness while driving, which is a little weird. Yes. But So we sat there. And, after, and let me guess, you didn't care whether you won or lost, right? Uh, I wanted to win 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, I was taking cars out, but it was like I got red flagged once, and I definitely didn't win. Brandon came in first. Nick Schultes came in second. These guys were fast, like by seconds, which on a small track is pretty fast. Yeah. But it was nice getting together as a group, and I could see how everyone just kind of interacts. I see it a lot during the day, how people are gut each other's back, support each other, and then I saw it in a non-work setting where – Everyone's kind of enjoying each other's company, having a couple of drinks. And one of the things that I spoke to when we talked, it was almost like our fake annual meeting, which we mm-hmm. don't have, but it was just, just yep. to get a reason to get together and we like doing stuff fun. But 
what was awesome to talk to everyone about was we've had a few subcontractors talk to us, talk to me and personally, you know, Mm -hmm. dinner, lunch, whatever it was, and say how remarkably pleasant and nice it is to work with people at Sterling. So at first I'm thinking, wait, are my guys too soft on you? Like, are we mm-hmm. not, you know, coming down like hard? Are we, or, you know, yep. and it wasn't that we're, we're, we're efficient with their time. We don't, you know, we're not asking for things we don't need. They understand how we do things. We're respectful. We're kind. It, it was nice hearing a sub say that to us. So mm. part of this was, okay, if the subs are saying that, then Owners are thinking that because we're definitely treating our owners just as good as our subs, right? We wouldn't mm. be treating them less. And it shows, and I had a couple of people come up to me afterwards saying they really appreciated working here, that they never had a voice at a different company, and they're, they're making changes and implementing procedures at Sterling that were probably not, were, they thought of at other places, but no one gave them the time or day because they were an APM or something. But mm. our culture is very hands-on entrepreneurial people feel like they have skin in the game here they get rewarded well they're part of a team we learn together we we have pain together when we make mistakes we all know about it we all feel it we all work together on it it's i i like i said during this uh talk with the group it was like i don't want anyone here that doesn't want to get up monday morning and be happy to come to work Mm -hmm. that's how it is at sterling people actually like coming to work so in such that i'm forcing people we're forcing people to take their vacation time hmm. which is a good thing and a bad thing you want people to take their time off and get some rest but they want to be here they like what they do That's... and I, I think that speaks to our culture you're involved with our training we have other people involved with our training we get along well it's a group of the same i would say age group that really love building and are proud of what we've done here and feel like they're part of it I really do. Yeah. And I think, uh, and it's not because you're sitting in the room with me. It's, I I think it's natural for someone to say that about their own company because sometimes employees will act different around the owner. Yeah. Right. But having sat in as an, or even the owner sees something through a rose colored glasses, right? Because it's theirs and right. they want to see one way. But going and either doing the training or being there while the training is going on. And a lot of times when you're not there and sometimes when Nathan's not there either, um, you see a very relaxed environment. Not that they're not in a bad way. Like it's just that the 15, 20 people in the room are very comfortable with each other. And there's like the natural, you know, ribbing that goes on. Right. Some will walk yeah. in with something and they're giving them shit about it and whatever. Yeah. And like, you know, and people are laughing and like, to me, that's the best sign of a solid culture. So for anyone listening to Andy, like I, I would say as an outsider or just observing, it's, it, it, it's there as well. And, they, and it was interesting that a lot of them that weren't on the same jobs knew about some other jobs, you know, and... Oh yeah, so and so had uh, the roof drain backed up on this job, and they were out there pumping out the basement. That's why they're not here. And it, it, yeah, the, I, I would say the not our fault, by the way. Just the, yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. I don't even know. If that's <laughs> I, I, it, it probably was wasn't like, even a real thing, but yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure. Yeah, it, it was something like that. <laughs> um, but that's there, and I think because they care, they cover for each other. It, it's not just it's so and so's job. It's 
Yeah, you, I'm sure you heard a thing about second man in, second man up, where you try to make sure you have redundancies in your systems and procedures. And in our firm being so small and so efficient, we're able to make sure people are aware of what's going on on the products. Cause you never know if they have to come in and help somebody else or someone needs to help them. Everything is organized a certain way so that mm -hmm. anyone can jump in in a second. And it's, it's a nice feeling and people want to help each other. They want to give up their weekends or their Saturday. If something bad's happening somewhere else, they want to help mm -hmm. or good. It's either way. Yeah. So I think, Entrepreneurial is right. And then I would say even, um, I forget how you were just describing it, but as you were describing it, I was, oh, you were saying everybody has input yeah. into things. That's very much a, a startup mentality. Of course. Right? We're in that like, baby boomer stage, not baby boomer, uh, infancy stage yeah, of like, yeah. You know, startup. Yeah, we're okay. We haven't done this before. Right. You know, maybe we've done it at other companies and now we're going to try and develop something here. So let's get everybody's input and do it better. Because you did talk about that last time about taking what you'd learned at other companies over the years and what Nathan had learned at other companies and trying to take the good and eliminate the bad and create your own recipe. Right. Right. Um, it's working well. And people really appreciate having input and, see, and not just having input, but seeing the change implemented. That's the other piece of that equation that is yes. really makes a difference. And then they're not just looking for a pat in the back. They like to see things get better. And that's, that's what we offer, and we promote that tremendously. Yeah. Cause Naturally, not like a reward or a bonus. It's just like they want to help things to do better because they care a lot about what they do, and they care about the people they work with. Yeah. And it, that can be a negative because sometimes companies will say, they want feedback. We want your input, but then they take it, they get everybody's input and then they ignore it. Right. So that can be a net negative where people are like, oh, that, that, that's when you get apathy because people, oh, I'm not going to bother saying why, no, why no. go and do it. Why waste my time trying to input something if it's just going to sit on someone's shelf? Yeah. And not that everything someone says needs to get implemented. And I think people realize that. But if everybody sees like, oh, hey, you know, six things were said and and they addressed, they took one of them and they, they ran with it. It might not have been mine, but yes, they are hearing. And maybe one out of 10 things I suggest get picked up. And oh, yeah, you know what? Actually, that person's idea was better than my idea. Or that, that is the way to go. Um, so I think people don't have expectations that everything they say is going to um, be the way things go. But they at least know that they're really being heard. And that helps. You were quite interested in your onboarding process. And glad that you, you, you know, you were like, I, I want to onboard in a way that we bring on employees, we onboard them, and then they roll into work rather than trying to just hire for a need and throw somebody into the mix when they haven't really kind of learned the sterling way. And in here, so I, to some degree, some of these things are almost like, okay, well, you, you, I'm, I'm picking on you because I'm looking for you to be perfect. I'm not looking yeah. for you to be perfect. Some There's two things in particular, the very last one, that I think are very hard to execute on. And I, I, I think they're great goals, you know, but the question is like, it's hard. They're, they're hard. That's why they're great. Um, do you feel comfortable with your onboarding process? Are you happy with it? Do you want to be better at We've it? We've gotten so much better even now. So our new controller, Julie, has put together all of the back-of-house things. Um, 
before, you know, we had all these great benefits and we didn't really do a great job as a company explaining the benefits to people. Well, I'm just going to start there and then I'm going to get into the technical stuff. So we we now have, you know, a really well-defined offer letter. We send a one-page document that's simple to read of what's included in your offer, what's not included, what we have, what we don't have to make it so people aren't looking through a manual to figure mm-hmm. it out. We're staying on people and, and pushing them into role things that are a benefit to them that they may not have accepted as a benefit. Like we pay for um, flex spending cards, right? Half okay. the company wasn't enrolled in that. That's free money. Just enroll in it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you don't use it, it's free money. Like we were... We, we, we did an audit of all of HR, and we got, a, we got that cleaned up. When, we, when a person starts, they're getting onboarded. They're doing safety. They're getting all of their sterling swag, which is I heard is great stuff. They've got the computer, their iPod, their phone. Whatever it is they have is ready on day one. It's mm-hmm. not mixed and matched anymore of, oh, well, Nathan has that, and, and Andy has this. And so it's all ready for them on day one. That's our, that's our number one goal. To make the first day exciting. People want to be excited about their first day. The second thing I think we're doing really well is we are putting that person and having them shadow. We're overburdening jobs to get that new person acclimated to the way Sterling performs our work. It's, it's, it sometimes is you know a few weeks. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. Sometimes it's a little bit shorter. But it's, it's definitely a week or two of at least some some hands-on, hey, this is how we do a field report. This is how we do an RFI. Like second mm-hmm. man shadow, second woman shadowing of, of somebody more senior in our company. Everyone's junior, but we have people that have been here long enough that knows the Sterling way. Mm-hmm. So that's the two things. The third thing that we've been doing differently is we've been having – we've started some quarterly or every six to eight weeks internal lessons learned regroup of project management. Same thing for the field side of we're tracking uh, Pete Adams and Nathan did a great job on the field side and put together a great PowerPoint of what are the 10 things a a super needs to do before a job starts? What are the 10 things they need to do while the job is ongoing? Not just knowing the drawings and it's like, Mm -hmm. how do we set up our signage? Where do we get our sticky mats? Like, where do we put our muster point? Like all those little, the little things that kind of get lost under the, under the, under the clipboard, Mm -hmm. we're making sure that it's. And, every, and we have a Word document, and we give that to the new hires, and we're going through that with them. So we did the same thing for project management too. Like how we how do we do RFIs as a company? Well, this is the this is the three steps. All right, how do we do? It's all training on Procore, yes, but how does Sterling do it different? So we're we're constantly updating that little those couple documents mm-hmm. so that all of our on new people onboarding are seeing it in the field, they're seeing it in the office of shadowing, but then they're also having their own like cheat sheet of how we're doing things okay so is it two things there's like a a job setup one and then there's just here's general process and procedures yep and that's just living and it's it's a living document and it's growing continuously okay and that's just a word doc and it lives on some drive it's a actually pete adams and nathan did a great job they put a powerpoint together with clips and slips and slides and all that stuff yeah no it's well done really well done wow i like that a lot and, and and then and then Nick and Brandon did the same thing for project management, like how we do change events, like just taking you through step by step with screen, screen captions, so that each training we do, we're not starting from ground zero. We're we're starting and we're just refining how we're doing things. Hmm. And then, 
How about just, uh, that's very much process, but uh, I'm interested because I know a lot of companies are trying to crack this nut and there's different ways they do it, but uh, just general lessons learned, not necessarily um, process stuff. Are you guys trying to capture that? We're, well? we're constantly trying to do better. I think that's what's making us successful. Whether it's project specific or procedure specific, we're mm -hmm. always saying, you know, Dennis may come up with an idea of saying, hey, if we do a PCO like this, we don't have to do X, Y, and Z. And next thing you know, we're implementing it throughout the company. Yeah. Just because he was doing PSAs a certain way and figured out we could do it this way quicker and faster and more efficient. Mm -hmm. That's the lessons learned I'm talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah. I, want, I want to back up here because you talked about how the subs like that you're not, um, that you're efficient with the time and you're not taxing them with just kind of nonsense in what you were just saying there about a PCO, like if we did it this way, then we don't have to do this. I think that is so valuable because it, it does, it makes you more efficient as a company. And if you looked at it from like a volume per person standpoint, like that dealt, that metric probably goes, goes way up. But I think it's important by being a startup, you have that ability to do that like i know one safety person that even talks about like you know too much gets piled on because the thought is well just put everything so we don't get sued make everybody wear glasses gloves hard hat 100 percent of the time inundate them with toolbox socks and this and put signs everywhere for everything like don't electrocute yourself, yep. you know, right. don't fall, don't do the... It's and, overload. It's, but, it, it's just like getting an email from Procore every five minutes about something overdue. You're, gonna, you're just going to delete those emails. You're not paying attention to it. We're, we're very specific of, of asking for information that's important. So what do subs want to do? Subs want to perform. Mm -hmm. They want to get paid. Yep. We want to make sure they have a contract, insurance, safety, and they want to get paid, all right? So every month now through Textura, we use Textura now for all of it, which saves a lot of people a lot of time. Mm. We request them to upload their change order log every month. So every month we're making sure all change orders are accounted for, executed, processed as part of them getting paid. Mm. So there's no, oh, this is lingering or this is out there. Or, we forgot about this from a sub or for, you know, having that communication makes things so much smoother. It's just... <clears throat> It's been helpful. We, we these are the things we're learning. You know, as we've been increasing our volume, as we've been having larger, more complicated technical projects, it just these systems kind of evolve to themselves. Yeah, and I think you get better results as well. I think about it as I, you know, I used to coach basketball. Always enjoyed that, and you would always see the coaches that yelled all the time just were tuned out, right? Right. No one listened to this. You could see the kids wouldn't pay attention to them. I never yelled, but if I yelled, they listened, they listened. And not that it's about yelling, uh, and but, understood, like, but you made it clear, it, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, okay, if you're asking me for just nonsense all the time, yep. you get tuned out on everything. But if you don't ask for nonsense all the time, when you do ask for something, you get it and you listen. And back to what that safety guy was saying was that he goes, we don't require glo 100% gloves on all our jobs. People are running around saying 100% hard hats, glasses, and gloves. Trying to please that, he's like, we, we make people wear gloves when the task requires gloves. Correct. That's, that's our approach too. Yeah. You know, and I think 
some of that is that just efficiency and and accuracy and proficiency that allows you to thrive and subs to thrive i think so i think that's a, a big lesson for people to consider little piece of tech you were a big fan and were using trello mm. heavily at the time mm-hmm. are you still using trello so we were until like a couple weeks ago because now we have so many users they want to charge me like seven or eight grand a year and i was like nope it's no longer free so we found uh dennis found something with microsoft i don't even know what it's called but it's exactly like trello but even better and we use it so we we modified it first we had it set up where we had trello for just pms and supers then we had trello for me and nathan and trello for me in the office right Mm -hmm. now we have each board set up for each project and every, t- every member of that team is on that board. So everyone's kind of ticking and talking off each other on that board level as a mm. team for that project. And, I, and me and Ethan are on all the boards, so we can always see what's going on or add something, or they can add something for us for each project. So it's, mm. it's gotten better. It's gotten so much better. So efficient. Awesome. Yeah. And everybody likes it? Yeah. It's, some people need a little tweak. Hey, hey, make sure you clear out some old items. But for 90% of the company, it's, it's spot on. Mm. You have to let me know what the, what the Microsoft uh, product is. It's... It's not even. It doesn't even cost anything. It's part of Office three sixty five. Has to. It has to do with Teams, but it's not Teams. It's not like instant messenger thing like that. It's okay. Well, people will be able to figure it out. Yeah, they, they will. Google I'll I'll, just, I'll email it to you. Yeah, I, can, I, it, I thought it began with a P, but I, I don't hundred percent remember. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. they can just Google. But that's our new thing because Trello started to charge. We can only have so many boards. Yep. So that's why we originally had one for CMs, one for Supers, one for me, one for Nathan. Hmm. But once we started having multiple projects, so many projects going on at once. That's when they said, hey, you need to buy the pro one, and it was not worth it. And Dennis found one that was we were already paying for as part of Office 365, and that one has unlimited boards. So we put a board per job, and it's been great. Yeah. Been really great. And if people want to hear more about that, maybe go back to the 2019 interview with Andy. He talks quite a bit about the, you know, the— It's an online whiteboard, basically. Yeah, how it works. But it was yeah. funny. In the moment— uh, you actually were talking about, you're like, and it's free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, that, no kidding. That's no, what yeah, you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. it, that was the, I mean, we'd still be using it right now if it was free, but I guess we're, we're, we're using this other system and it's free. Well, we're and already paying for Nothing's really free. Right? Yeah. And it sounds like it might even be better. Yeah. This one links to your actual calendar and Outlook. Oh. So it's okay. even, you can set reminders for a task and assign it and it goes to your calendar where Trello would stay in its own. Just Trello was its Trello. own app. This yeah. is integrated with Outlook. Yeah, so it's it's great. Yeah. Awesome. This was a to, to me was not necessarily whether it was a big goal to you or not. It was definitely one of your goals because you you mentioned it. But to me, this seemed like a really big one and a gnarly one to kind of figure out. And probably the toughest. I wish question. I had that paper. In front of me. <laughs> this, is <it. laughs> this is probably the toughest question. Uh, but you said the goal is to have clients going to the employees. And not to you and Nathan. Oh, it's happened, buddy. How is that going? It's happened. It's happened. One of our, our biggest client is now going Doesn't to, want to bother with you anymore and go straight I, to I, the... I don't, even know, if, I don't <laughs> even know if they like me anymore. <laughs> I get fine. a call every now and then, um, but it's completely... I, I'm trying to groom more people to be like this individual and take on client lo- roles. It's been, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. It's freeing me up and Nathan up to do other things, you know, help develop more improvements, infrastructure of our company, and then chase down maybe a different client 
or nurture a different client that gets more attention, but it has happened. Awesome. Yeah. And the goal is to obviously bring more people to that, to that level. Excuse me. I'm just checking on time because I know you got a hard stop. So we're good. Yep. This one is, was, a kind of, I think a personal statement of yours. I back then felt the same way. I don't think I feel that way now. And things have, um, I think the way I look at life in general has changed. And I think it may have for you as well. And I think that would, uh, you know, well, I I won't say what I think, but um, you made a comment that you were driven not to fail. Is that still the biggest driver? Or do you look at things differently now? Uh, wow. And don't be married to your, uh, I would, your prior I, self. It really feels like I'm driven to be successful. Like, I don't know if it's the opposite, say, if it's saying the same thing or not, but I know we didn't fail. And now I'm looking more to sustain what we have. Is that? What, uh, yeah. I, okay. Because yeah, I, I don't feel, I, I'm not afraid of failing now. Yeah. I'm, I I want to I don't want to let my team down. It's hard for a small business to maintain a workflow that's consistent. And what I mean by that is any of the larger firms if they have a project die or slow down, they could take that team that was slotted for that and stick them on a different project. Mm-hmm. They have the capacity. We at Sterling don't have that capacity. Every job is slotted to run at a certain time and those people are slotted to go there. We don't have a job where four people can, can just go on deck. It's mm-hmm. that's not how a small company works. Yeah. My biggest fear, I think it was fear you asked or challenge or what was it? The, well, it, you had worded it that you were driven, driven to not, driven not, not to, to fail. Fear, driven not to fi- fail, but my new drive is to maintain consistency for our people so that they don't ever feel like they're in danger or we're going to slow down. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of failing and I'm, I'm not afraid of anything right now. I'm more of, of I want to maintain a good culture for our people. I want to maintain good consistency of work, selecting the right products for our work, not being greedy, remaining humble. Like I, that's what I want for Sterling. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm driven to, be, to, to succeed and have every one of our employees succeed. That's what yeah. I think our new drive is. Yeah. You, did I answer that one? No, you answered yeah. it. And that's, I, I, maybe it's a natural progression, but I, I, that's what happened with me as well. I think when you start, it's all about, all right, just, I just, just don't fuck this up. Yep. Don't crash and burn. Right. Nobody wants to crash and burn because. You don't uh, want to get laughed at. You, it's, you, it's, you don't yeah. want to go back working for somebody else. You, yeah. You like, don't want to fail personally. You, you put your life into this thing. Yeah. And like, being completely honest about it, it's an ego thing, yeah. right? We're my like, biggest fear is I don't want to let people down. My people, I, they, all of our people left good paying jobs to come to Sterling. Yep. I don't want them to ever want to leave Sterling. Yep. That's what I want. I want them to take over the company someday. However, whoever that structure is, but that's what I want for the company. I'm sure Nathan feels the same way. I'm not, I don't want to speak for him, but I, yeah. we're, we're aligned so much in all these things. And when I say I, a lot of it's I and Nathan, right? It's, yeah. it's hard to, you know, Nathan's my partner. It's, he's a co-owner of the Sterling. It's, but this is asking me that question, and he would say it the same way. He doesn't want to let our people down. We lose sleep when we don't think, you know, we have a product that's 50-50 right now, 
and we have a whole team slotted for that, that could end up going away based on a client shifting and pivoting, nothing to do with Sterling, just a different way of looking at the project. And that would cause us harm and have to pivot. Are we financially okay? Yes. Are we going to lay anyone off? No. But I don't want to keep anyone, bo- I don't want anyone to be bored. I want them, to, they were looking forward to this job. So mm-hmm. that's our biggest thing is we lose sleep over. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it doesn't mean that, um, the fear goes away or that you're not like worried about things and stressed about things. It's just that that's not the main driver. Anymore. Not the main driver anymore. Correct. Right. I agree. Um, and that's, I think that's just a natural, uh, I do want to play more golf, but I haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Speaking of driving. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's the last of the looking in the rear view, what you said before and what do you think now? So you can, you can take a deep breath now. All right. Um, the rest of this is kind of, forward-looking and it's interesting so a lot of the questions when i was saying you i was meaning sterling yeah understood right? and that's la- how i answered them yeah and the last one was more was actually you that's why i was saying this one's kind of personal yep um because it's directed to you and it's funny though the next question i have i actually wrote you slash sterling uh and i said what has been the biggest failure or failures for you slash sterling but really sterling we're talking about yeah so for sterling when we started the company, Nathan and I, we were scared to fail, right? You brought that up. Mm-hmm. I think we took on whatever we could for projects to get us going and doing something. Our biggest failure then, and we've grown out of it in my opinion, is going after work that isn't the best suited for Sterling, knowing what we're good at and what we're not good at, knowing which owners are the type of owners we want to work for, knowing which design teams are strong enough to support the project they're designing or not. Those decisions early on were a failure for us. And we've passed it. We've outgrown it. We, we are dialed in now with our core clients. We are dialed in now with our core design team. But early onset, we chose to do a project that just bled us dry. Mm-hmm. And we would never do that again. Yeah. And was it wrong type of job, wrong type of cl- like? Well, the project <laughs> was, to get into it a little bit, it was... So we would not do anything wood framed. We're not Nathan and I are not wood guys. We're steel and concrete guys. So this was a steel and concrete five story building in in Boston, a very tight logistic site. It was condos, but it was steel and concrete all the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was underground parking. It had soil uh, remediation. It had soil improvements. So it was like everything we love, mm-hmm. except that it wasn't the right design team. It wasn't the right client and it just bled and then COVID hit in the middle of that one and it was it was just it was painful all around mm-hmm. that project and we finished it we moved on we learned our lessons and we focus on what we do well and that's that was our biggest failure on a project side on an internal side my biggest failure would have been not giving too much of a leash of that rope early onset and not diving in and pulling things when I saw things going array or stray. Um, We had a project that 
needed more management and delegation than originally I thought it would need mm-hmm. and more of my time. And I was reluctant and hesitant to jump in and kind of help and push it and save it. And I let that team struggle longer than I should have. Um, I jumped in at the right time at the end of it too late, but Mm -hmm. that was a personal thing for me that I should have known better and just not worry about feelings at that point and do what's right for the company. Mm. Um, All things are fine. It finished well. The team pulled it off, but it would have been a a smoother ride if I was able to jump in. But they also, the other side of that is they also learned a lot more by me not being involved. Mm So it's, it, that's a fine line when to let a product suffer enough so they learn and then to win the jump in and help save the day. Um, and not, not a superhero, but you understand yeah. what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, so that was like a personal failure for me. And then on the business side, I would say we had, we needed to make a change in our financial department we have now. Mm-hmm. And I was, I had a hard time letting go of that department and having to make some hiring changes there. Because the people that we had there were good to me. They got us through where we were today. Mm-hmm. I felt like things were doing fine. And making a few, and, and it's just, I think the person, the people that we had there were not construction accounting people. And making that change to people that were, like we have a now controller that came from a different construction firm that was a controller there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's night and day. And, we are now, our project management, our field management, and our finance management are all very strong. Where before, our finance management was just getting by, and didn't, I didn't really know the difference because mm-hmm. that's not my strong suit. But mm-hmm. now I feel like I have, feels like I have a person just like me mm-hmm. on the accounting side, and she keeps me in line. And, and we mm-hmm. implemented so many new systems on the accounting, like receipts and this and that. And it's it's so that's that's a that's a project level failure that's a personal level failure and that's a company level operational, failure yeah. operational that i think are behind us 100 percent behind us awesome all right how about successes what was what do you feel like and obviously the whole thing's probably you can look at it as a success but i mean 62 million in six years with 20 people is a success yes finding 20 people in this market like-minded individuals that our pleasure to work with, I think, is our. I don't want to be cheesy like our people, nope. but yep. like that's a huge thing. Think of how many people are trying to hire right now, companies. Like the, every one of our people could be stolen tomorrow. Yep. But, and I'm sure they're getting offers every day, but they mm-hmm. choose to stay here at Sterling. That shows, I think that's our biggest, biggest success. Our relationships with our core clients, our relationship with our architects and engineers, that's it. I mean, what else do you? I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, I can list projects. Our projects are, we've, we've handled some monster projects yeah. in the last couple of years that were extremely difficult to do. Yeah. And we couldn't have done it without the relationships that we have in place. Yeah. No, I mean, you even, I think you hit the nail on the head. Hiring 20 quality people in this market, that that's more impressive than any job you won. I agree. You know? And it's funny, you listen to, I know we were talking about it earlier, you listen to Dan Conley. Yeah, Block. Yep, definitely. And, Great guy. And and that was my, that's what I said to him. I'm like, how'd you do that? You know, because I'm talking to people at major companies with deep pockets, 
And they're just throwing in, money at people. In teams of people working on it. And they're struggling to find 10 good people. You can find 10 people. That's yep. that's something different, right? Um, so I, I, I tend to agree. I, I think that is probably... I, I didn't think about it until you said it. But if you... The things you listed to me, uh, hiring 20 quality people is by far, you know, much more impressive than anything else that you guys have yeah. have done. Looking forward. What's next? So, and, l- and let me say this, is it, um, d- don't necessarily think about it, uh, like where do you see Sterling in the future? I, I guess I meant more like, um, what do you need from a key perspective? Like, is there a key hire? Is there, is it, you know, that we need to land a job? Is it a new software system that you have to definitely bring right. on to get, like, what's that next need that's that's lingering out there? So tech-wise, tech we're done. We've got it all, We've got every system needed to perform at even a higher level than we're doing now. We're renovating our office and doubling our office space this second, third quarter of this year. So that's coming up, um, which we're all excited about because now we're going to have like a real sink and a fridge and a dishwasher and everyone have, a, you know, have four more offices and then some dock stations and things like that. The next step for Sterling, I want to or we want to maintain some consistencies and figure out where our sweet spot is. You know, last year we did 60. The year before that we did 30. Or 45, I can't remember. But is 60 the right number for us? Or is 50 the right number for us? Or is 45 the right number for us? Or is 75 the right number for us? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's driven by our clients and our capacity for what our people can handle. I'd like to figure out how to main a consistent workflow for everybody. I'd like to promote and keep key people in place figure out some equity options for people as we as we grow or as we mature as a company i don't think nathan and i our vision is to have a hundred million dollar company or a 200 million dollar company with 300 employees i I like the small boutique hands-on feeling. I know Nathan does. We like being involved. We like knowing our clients. We like knowing our employees. Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day where, so we have 20 people, and each one of those 20 people want to be in pr- promoted. I heard Mike Fish talking about this, I think mm-hmm. it was. He's like, those 20 people want to be promoted to something higher. Whatever the next level. And then, yeah. then, then you, now you need to bring 20 people in to replace them. That means you have to go find work to support all that. Mm-hmm. I think that's great for a machine and a model, but I I want our people to be able to do all of it and not do that in a way. I, but be promoted, like, there's no reason why senior PM still can't do submittals. Mm-hmm. Or we become more diluted like everyone else and bring on an assistant for that person. Everyone gets a new title. Are you getting a title or is it the same person? Like, that's what I'm trying to v- figure out now what mm-hmm. the right thing for Sterling is. Um Profitability-wise, we're fine. Risk management-wise, we're fine. We have great partners with our insurance. Um, we use DeSanctus Insurance. I'm just going to say who they are because yeah. they're really good. DeSanctus Insurance is our insurance. Uh, our bonding is through them as well. Dan Stanhope at 
AFCPAs is our financials, our CPA audited financials. Dave Fine with Mark O'Connell is our attorney, and um, those are. And then we use Enterprise Bank as our banking relationship, which mm-hmm. has been strong as well. We don't we don't have any loans, but you know they're always there to help us. But I guess I'm going off topic a little bit here. Uh, I don't want, or we don't want Sterling to just blow away or be too big. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it's just this mm-hmm. finding that sweet spot is what's next for us. And then getting a little more brand recognition, I think, would be nice. Understanding like, oh, Sterling, I've heard of them. Oh, yeah, they do good work. Or, yeah. yeah. Does that mean marketing is a need? I think we're going to I spoke to actually someone at the BBJ the other day about I guess they ran an article about us. I didn't even know it. So <laughs> we're going to uh, explore that a little bit more, mm-hmm. do a little more biz now events. Uh, just just do some brand awareness. I don't. I'm not sure if we have a need yet for a BD or marketing person. I think that's kind of my my thing, mm-hmm. especially since I'm not a key man on a certain client anymore. I, that has now been a, one of our employees has stepped up for that. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, the balance, Joe, of having to figure out a project and a client relationship, and then a new project and a new client relationship. So, for instance. Everyone knows Related Bill is one of, is our biggest client, right? Okay. They have a project for us that's twenty five million dollars. It's gonna go. Everyone's happy. We've got four people committed to that. Great. That job suddenly goes away. Where do those four people go? We don't have another twenty five million dollar job sitting on deck because we didn't have the resources for it then. Mm-hmm. So finding that yin and yang balance of having to be able to quickly pick up a, full, a few fillers. I mean, you know how long it takes to get a job. It's yep. months worth of work to get a job from drawings to bid to negotiate, whatever it is. We're not like those people are going to a new job that we have slated to start. And that's that's trying to figure out a balance between our core clients of when to lean on who for what job and where. And mm. that's our biggest struggle right now, I would say. Okay. and I just said a lot of stuff. No, no, no. That's... That's good. I mean, the the need is to to find the sweet spot and I what, but also staying in your groove. Like we're we're in healthcare, we're in life science, we're in building conversions. Those are our three main targets. Mm-hmm. We might dabble in a little more of the infrastructure. I mean, excuse me, institutional work. Like I know we could handle some work at BUNU, any of those mm-hmm. institutions, because that's the same type of logistics and same type of tough projects that we're doing now. Are we going to go build a strip mall? No. Um, are we going to go build a restaurant? No. Are we going to go build a multifamily? No. That's not what we do. But maybe dabbling into that institutional work might be a fit for us. Um, we've had a couple of key people that have left certain clients and now moved to other clients that are in those markets. So mm-hmm. that might be an option for us a little bit. They're just being a little bit more diverse. We do have that DCAM up to $50 million, so we could go after some DCAM work if needed. But mm-hmm. Why go after those things if you have good negotiated work with private clients? It's yeah. just when that stuff, like when what happens with related bills slows down, then then who's going to pick up that yeah. slack? Yeah, well, the question there is diversification. Diversification. Right. But it's so hard to do that when you think about you have all your commitments and people committed to certain projects. You, you, unless you hire more people, you can't diversify. Mm-hmm. And do you want to say no to someone that's giving you work or negotiating work with you and you're performing well for and it's a good relationship? No. So you're like nurturing that relationship 
And then if it slows down, you can diversify. Or you make a decision and say, you know, people might say, Andy, you're stupid. Go hire five more people and go after another client. Mm -hmm. But then we're turning into other, a different Not company. Who you are. Yeah. It's so, it's, it, that is a hardest battle. Yeah. Hardest battle. Yeah. Uh, to dig in a little more, your, your thought process or Sterling's thought process around um, people's ability to do multiple things, almost like everybody's a utility player. Uh, have you kind of solidified that thinking? Or That's who we are. are. still trying to figure that out? Yeah, every one of our PMs has a supers license. Every one of our supers has a supers license. Mm -hmm. And they didn't come here with those licenses. We, we push that. Like, be able to cover the site if you have to because so-and-so is out. Or that's, whether it's for a day or two, that's the type of stuff we want. Utility people. I, I'm rotating some PMs through our pre-construction with me to see how we bid things, how we write scope sheets so that they can handle that next time a bid comes around. Like, that's important for a small firm like us to be able to have everyone be able to do a little bit of everything. Hmm. Okay, that's great. Over this coffee this, is good, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, Recreo, the place mm. that we go to on Santa Street. They're good um, stuff. They're amazing. Um, over the six years, or even just now at the year six year mark, what didn't you see coming? The success we'd have, I Nathan, and I never would have thought we'd be here. when we when we had that event the other day at that Supercharged and Rentham. Just sitting back, having a beer with Nathan and looking at everyone there, smiling, racing, having fun. Like, who would have thought when we started in his basement, we'd be at that level mm -hmm. ever? I mean, we said we want to do $5 million. Our first job was an $8,000 door change. We did it in the wrong spot. We had to go back and fix it. Like, mm -hmm. that wasn't a good start for Sterling. We'd lost money in our first job. Yep. And here we are renting out a space and having fun. Like yeah. I know it's cheesy, but it's I, I every now and then. It, every now it gets me. Like look at look at what we have accomplished as a group. Yep. As a group of people, like minded people, we put our hearts and souls into this, and everyone contributed and made Sterling. I mean, we did sixty two million dollars last year in projects with twenty people, and three of them is I'm useless, and you've got an accountant person, two accounting people, mm -hmm. and it happened. Yeah. It just just yeah. That's just. I mean, it could have been a fluke, but I don't know. We're on track for the same thing this year. Hmm. What's, what's your thoughts on, like, do you even start to think about downside protection for if when the, when things slow down? We've kept every penny in the company. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not out spending crazy money. Um, I think our downside is set up to handle smaller projects. I think our downside is maybe, I mean, the public work will start picking up once the downsize of private starts slowing down. That's typically the, the how that works. Um, but we'll have to be real competitive. By being lean and mean, we'll, I think we'll have a competitive advantage with, our, with our, our pricing. But financially, we're okay. doesn't mean I want to just bleed profit to sustain some kind of capacity, but mm. we're... We haven't even hit the street hard searching for work. We're nurturing the clients and relationships we have, but I'm sure we could go chase things if we have to. 
and hopefully become successful with that. I'm not saying everything's going to be a win. Of course not. But yeah. there's there's markets and there's like the TI work in Boston. Like we don't even touch that. I'm sure we could get into that if we had to, if mm-hmm. we had to push that. But that's really, we could do it. But that's not at our, that's not what we focus on right now. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Everyone's trying to do what we're doing. And I think that gives us an advantage because we've already started, we've already been doing it. And we have a good resume with it. Do you think you should, and it sounds like you're exploring a little bit, but do you think you should get into the public game before that flip happens? Kind of the time to dig a well is before you're thirsty. Right. I, I look at the listings maybe once a month just to see what's out there. Uh, there was an opportunity for something in Lemonster. There was a new police station that came up that it, during the time that that was going out to bid, we had a couple of pretty, pretty, pretty large products that were already in pre-con that would have, that took our resources. So it's all about the timing, Joe and location. Yeah. Uh, but we're, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on things. And I'm also, I'm starting out a couple of feelers to a few different uh, clients that have always been on our radar that we've had, you know, coffee or drinks or golf with that, you know, reach out, Andy, I know you're busy with so-and-so, but reach out when you think slow down. And I put that feeler out there as, hey, how's it going? Just seeing how you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. and I get a response, which is, that's the that's best part. Like, they, yeah. They're not just ghosting me, so. Mm. That's excellent. Personally, so we talked about it a little bit with kind of the in the mindset of you're driven not to fail mm. um with and how do i want to word this i guess with running a growing business that is doing good volume trying to deal with the hiring and keep that pipeline and do we go to public work and all that um it has to be stressful i would imagine and as we've kind of discussed in the past, I, I know I, I feel this way and I'm pretty sure you do as well. Like we need to be efficient with our time. We can't be, you can't be sloppy and run a $60 million company and just not be pretty. You have to be efficient and productive and you have to manage the stress that comes with that need to be proficient and on top of things. And um, from a, personal perspective even though the efficiency is really business um how do you manage those two things the stress the need to be efficient uh, as just uh looking at yourself kind of like uh a machine like you need to manage all those inputs and stresses and you need to have really good outputs how do you do that i know for for example like my diet and sleep is dialed in off the charts you know i'm not not perfect i have you my, look good joe i have my uh, <laughs> i have my days where i go on uh benders of you know pizza, pizza and ice cream and yep. it's it's ugly for a couple of days but then uh, i get back on it just because i know i see the drop off in my ability to get work done and enjoy what i'm doing and be productive have you started to explore and do things that help with that manage that maybe it's yeah. just okay i need to protect my weekends or i do need to be more mindful of my sleep or what like yeah i can how I can, you kind of managing that yeah i can give some insight to what i do that works for me uh, 
number one is my eating and dieting and my working out, I say is probably average or above. Like I'll try to get a workout in three to four days a week and um, try to eat as healthy as possible, cut down on alcohol um, during the week at least, uh, unless it's a client event, usually, you know, have one or two drinks of that. Mm-hmm. Um, having amazing support structure at home with my wife. We actually don't talk about work, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. She'll, she doesn't ask me, how was your day? And it's not disrespectful. She just doesn't, she's not asking detailed weeds, but there are key things that I brought to her, like, hey, I'm struggling with this. And she'll ask me about that um, mm-hmm. every now and then. I've got an amazing wife at home that really keeps the back of house stuff just. And I don't mean, and I, I don't. I'm not trying to be disrespectful at all. It's 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 a compliment, like how well she handles everything, like mm-hmm. better than me. And I, when I come home from work, we can have a conversation, not about work, or about you know our families, or you know enjoy a meal together. Um, I have a strong faith in God and. I don't know if that's a turnoff for most people or not, but my wife and I are both Christians. We we try to attend Sunday service. We're Baptists, and we try to uh, do a Bible study once a week with our with our fellow group. And being in that type of mindset helps a lot because I don't I'm not in control. You know, I'm not preaching, but you know, this is our. If in my belief, our lifespan is this is just a minute piece of it where we have such a longer span of eternity and this is not as important as we're hopefully where we're going mm. um so that's a big piece of it finding a lot of peace in that um i've been getting into meditation whether it's through scripture i took a seven week meditation program uh it was one day a week at the umass memorial center of wellness it was amazing it was very difficult um but for 40 minutes a day you had to meditate and find 40 minutes it's it you i locked myself in a room at night at 8 30 9 o'clock at night and tried not to fall asleep and that was that it was so hard um i do some yoga i try to to play some golf which i'm terrible at but that adds stress Uh, i i'm never off Mm. even when i'm off nobody no no owner ever is unless they have multiple people at my or nathan's level under them and they can walk away but we're always involved with something mm-hmm. but i enjoy it yeah can i ask you more about the the meditation sure thing what was that class like was it it was virtual it was virtual due to covid they do it in person as well it was a seven-week program that started off very slow um with and it was really difficult for someone like me that my mind is racing when I wake up at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Like it is, there's no off on my mind. It's, mm-hmm. I'm not a slowly get up. I am on fire when I wake up. Uh, so I just noticed that. And a lot of the reading that I've been doing about this is I'm spending my life and time thinking about what's next and not really enjoying the moment. The moment. Or being in the moment with it, whether it's a nice meal, a conversation, a ride, work, whatever it is, it's always what's next. Or, mm-hmm. or it's not being content with what I have, or looking for something more like that. So I took it upon myself to get involved with conditioning my mind to really let thoughts go, but be aware of the thoughts. And that's the true mindfulness piece is knowing that you're thinking, 
but not thinking about that thought. And it comes with some practice. Like it started with some full body scans where you focus on your toes and you only think about your toes and you work your way all the way up around your head and back to the other side. Um, there's many different techniques. There's walking mindfulness. There's, there's a lot. To, but it's just start with something. Thinking about and controlling your mind is... I, I just unlocked that part of my brain and I just got fascinated with it because everything we're doing is... You're already thinking five steps ahead. You're already thinking about mm-hmm. blinking. You're not thinking about blinking, but your actions of... So, like, so say, say you're driving down the road and you go by your exit. You You... You know you had to get off there, but your mind is thinking about something. You're not focused on even what you're doing. Yeah. And that's, I guess, I didn't want to just go through life that way. I want to enjoy some of the things that we're doing. Yeah. Almost let it, let life slow down. Trying to let it slow down. Yeah. I read a few books, watched a few movies about it. And hmm. it's, and I did it also to help control my quick temper, thoughts, anger, just to try to get a better control of that and not speak out so abruptly sometimes, which I've always been a struggle for me. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is great. I think, um, well, let's, let's, let's wrap it here. Unless there's something that you wanted to, something else you wanted to cover that will give you time to get where you're going. And, uh, you know, congratulations. Thanks, man. It's, uh, it's none of this is easy. And you and Nathan did some amazing things. Everybody at Sterling has done some amazing things. That's been impressive. And, uh, you know, I wish you continued good luck, obviously. And it was funny. I um, I don't know if you remember, but when I had you on that 2019, I said, I'm having you on because I want to be on the record that you guys are going to be successful wow. and be a major player in the market. That's amazing. And... Uh, I said, so I want to have you on now because I want it. I want it on the record now, not ten years from now. Like, oh yeah, I knew they were going to be big, <laughs> right? you know. So you I, know, the one thing I did, I didn't think about until you just brought that up about the last episodes was I've had some people reach out to me directly, whether it was through LinkedIn or found my email, that personally thanked me for giving them the courage to start their own business, and I'm like, come on, don't. Like, are you kidding me? Is this some kind of spam? But they're like, Andy, you, the things you told me, said in that stuff was real. It was authentic. It, it helped get some butterflies out of their own system. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like a lot of things I say to people, like I've had a couple people call me and we had some conversation. I go, what's the worst thing could happen? You fail and have to go back to work for somebody else. You're going to get hired again. Yeah. No one's going to fault you for trying it on your own. Yeah. So go for it. Just yeah. do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, it's the... I got one. Someone said to me, I changed their life. I'm like, come on, this is ridiculous. But he's like, I started my own company. We're successful. And I wouldn't have done it if you didn't push me over to do it. I'm like, that's awesome. Send me some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, the like, the power of the podcast is... It's incredible. It's inc- It's incredible. Like the amount of people that I've heard from over the years and like the opportunities that have come about because of it and impact that just letting people hear what's going on in your head. Um, some of the ones that I've, you know, whether it's talked about mental health or like lifestyle stuff or like I've had somebody say like the best podcast you have was one where your wife was on and like, yeah, never in a million years am I thinking anybody's going to think of that as the most right. valuable one. But 
that's there. And, and I'll tell you the one thing I did, and I think I might've said this on another podcast, but I didn't do too much like uh, research about what a good podcast is. I just said, I don't know anything I, about them until you invited me. <laughs> well, you're not alone. You're, you're definitely not alone. Um, but I just knew that I was looking for a construction podcast and I couldn't find one that was out there that met my needs. Cause I had learned so much over the years about different topics through podcasts, whether it's, uh, investing, leadership, or managing or, yoga. Yeah. yeah whatever like, it is. I learned so much from podcasts. I'm like, I want to learn construction through a podcast, but it wasn't out there. So I said, I'm going to do that. And then I said, well, I might as well make it enjoyable. So I'm going to talk about the things I want to talk about. And that was kind of my, the most rules I kind of put on myself about how this should be. But the one thing that I did hear, it was from Tim Ferriss. And he was talking about, because I think he said, you know, how did he have a successful podcast? I'm like, oh, I'm curious. I want to listen to that. And one thing stuck out to me. He said, not every podcast has to be for everybody. Not every episode has to be for everybody. He goes, sometimes it's only for 2% of your audience. But for that 2%, it means so much to them that the lift you get from those that 2% is worth it. So he said, just do it. It doesn't matter like, oh, well, my audience likes this. I should just do what they like. He says, no, do what you like and what you're passionate about. And when you pick and get those only small percentage of who that episode is for, that's not for most people, but it's for a small percentage. And for that small percentage, it's a huge impact and that's worth it. So if you think about it, your episode, and I think yours probably branches more, but for the people that were on the cusp of starting in a business and make that leap, that impact to that wonder probably 1% of the people that listen, maybe half of a percent of you, right. that impact was gigantic. Life-changing. Right? Yep. And that's a person who, and from my perspective, that is going to be a person who says, you got to listen to the Mass Construction Show. And it's going to tell everybody about it because it changed his world. Right. Whereas if I did, let me find the Door hardware that everybody yep. likes and do that all the time, people might enjoy it, but they're not going to run out and be like, you got to listen to this. Yeah. Right? But when you hit those topics that really make a difference for people, like, oh, That's wow. how we found one of my, our employees, right? I mean, didn't one of them come, yeah. to, come yeah. to us because they li- – Yeah, I'll tell you that's Yeah, I'll tell you the story. It was like I mentioned it to you because it like threw me off because somebody walked um, – oh, my God. I can envision him. You know, his name's escaping me, but yeah. he might not want me to say his name anyway. Um, but after class, he came up and said, oh, yeah. He's like, hey, how's it going? You know, He's like, I listened to the show, this and that. And however I – you responded to him. Basically, I was saying, oh, did is it because I was coming here and then you went and listened to the podcast? And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I, I, I came here because I heard Andy on the podcast and I reached out to them and wanted to come work here. That's amazing. And I was like, it just blew my That's mind. Awesome. I'm like, so that I owe, guy you, sitting, I owe you a recruiting fee, I think. <laughs> I'm like, so that guy's sitting there listening and... Then he decides to come work for you, and now I'm there teaching, and you know, small and, world. And he's listening, you know. It's it, it, uh, it, and that's not the only person that has right. actually gone to work for people because they listen to them here. 
which I think is great. I mean, Delbrook is a much bigger company, but you know, there's been a handful of folks that have, I don't know whether any of them, well, yeah, at least one was hired, but like, I know a bunch of people that had messaged me about, Hey, I'm going to buy a Delbrook. Cause I really like that, you know, kind of mindset. So right. it's, it's, it's affecting people's career decisions and life decisions. So that's a good stuff. Real it, good stuff. Yeah. And for a small audience, that's a, how that's many a listeners now? averages so it, it's funny with podcasts there's like what they call like the long tail so yep. like there are ones from two years ago that people are still listening to so it's it's hard to say but I, the best way i could describe it is after about 45 days they're all between like 400 to 600 listens that's great because what happens is people don't Listen to it right away. Listen to it yeah. right away. They go, so it's not like usually the Does it count if it listens, if I listen to one and then automatically starts the second one? Does that count as a listen? <laughs> it might count, but you know what doesn't count? If people listen to it twice, uh, it doesn't pick that up. I've listened to a few of them twice. Yeah, yeah I, I do that too. I know with other shows. I wish I listened to my last one when I was here. I would have had these questions nailed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it's like in that four to 600 range is what I would consider like I think is the the audience that's our regular listeners. I mean, some episodes are, you know, well over a thousand, but that, that is usually, um, either topic or person based. Right. You know, like you get John fish on John fish. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going to, it's going to be millions of people listening to it probably. Yeah. Well, I don't know millions, but I I would take millions, but, um, yeah, there's going to be a boatload of people that want to want to listen to that individual. Right. But really like, Jim from was it Jim from Shamit? That must have been a good Jim and Sarah from yeah. Shamit. That was, that was a str- I liked that one a lot. Yeah, so did I. That was one where I actually I, I don't go back. I, I kind of listen to. I have to. Listen I listen to, to it twice because I edit right, so I have to listen to it. But I think I listened as an edict, and then I went back and listened to him yeah. again because he was well spoken. Yeah, he was solid and just authentic. The only thing that drove me nuts was. Um, he would he like he would look down as he talked, and I lose, wanted to use it. video video clips. Oh yeah, you know because like he was saying great things, so he'd be saying this great thing, but he'd be looking down as he was saying it, and I'm like, <laughs> and I don't want to stop mid sentence, yeah. and also I'm not going to be like Boston Jim and Sarah around. Yeah. Like, hey, can you, yeah. <laughs> can you chins up, buddy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, oh, please look at the camera because I really want to cut this and share this. The yeah. stuff he's saying is gold, you know, and I I want people to hear that, but. Uh, you know, going back to the numbers, the, the fact that it's a pretty small, it's a niche. Niche. I'm happy with that. I'm you looking know. forward to the next cigar thing. I, I missed the last one, so please make sure I I want a seat no matter what. You are not alone. I've been getting a lot of messages lately saying when's when are we doing the cigar Should just thing do again. It. it doesn't have to be fancy. No, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, well, everything's a lot of work. Yeah, so I. Uh, what do you want? The plumbing class or do you want the uh, cigar night? Pick one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Andy, thanks as always. And we'll talk soon. Joe, have, thanks for having me on. Yep. Take care. So MassCons, what did you think? Did you like hearing Andy squirm? I selfishly did. So, uh, and I appreciate that Andy is always a good sport. 
spending his time to come on and take whatever we throw his way. He's a, um, he's a sport. So appreciate that from Andy. As always, like, share, do whatever you can to help this podcast reach more people, help make people better. That's what we're all here for. And selfishly, if you could head on over to iTunes, we gained one, but I would really like to get 100 reviews. So whether you want to give it one stars or five star, I don't care. I need six of them. Actually, you know what? I don't know what I can do for it. But if you hit that button and take a screenshot from me, uh, I'm going to find a way to do something for you. So hit that button, take a screenshot, send it to me on social, and I'm going to come up with something. Now I put myself on the spot. All right. Take care, guys.